0: are today on week four on a series uh, called Stewardship. And um, we we had an introductory, and then we had uh, the one-two punch of greed and contentment. Didn't Tucker do a great job last week talking about contentment? It was amazing. Just recognizing that uh, some of these principles of stewardship biblically uh, have great value, but they kind of diminish their sustainability and diminish uh, their effectiveness if we're still fighting greed and fighting for contentment. So uh, we want to to go to war against greed in our hearts. We want to uh, fight for contentment. And uh, we wanna be a people that steward what God has given us well. The tagline to this series is the war to honor God with what he's entrusted to us. And the reality is, is it's, it's a battle. It's not in our nature to steward well what God has entrusted to us, but we're gonna go to war. We're gonna go to war against greed. We're gonna fight for contentment and all these uh, principles that we're gonna continue on in here today. Our theme text, uh, I'm just gonna summarize it today for the sake of time, but it's found at the end of 1 Chronicles. King David has led God's people. They've seen great success. They've conquered more lands. They've got uh, more resources and wealth than they've ever experienced before. They've accumulated and stockpiled resources to build God's temple, uh, to worship him and to honor him. It's been a a season of success for God's people. And at the end of David's reign, the end of his life, you can find at the very end of of 1 Chronicles, David, uh, before all the people, before the nation, Uh, says this prayer, and in it, he over and over says, God, everything that we have comes from you, that you are the owner of everything, that's uh, the ability that we have to give anything to you or to anybody else, it's because you gave it to us first, that everything belongs to you. Even these resources we have to build the temple, to build the church, they came from you. And then kind of in the middle of this prayer, he he makes a statement, he says, just like our ancestors, we'll own this for a while and then we'll be gone and everything that we've accumulated will stay. That a, we, we just have this temporary season called life where we have resources, we have finances, we have possessions and we don't keep them forever. We have a temporary uh, possession of them. And then just like our ancestors, they're gonna be left behind. And so uh, David just comes this moment, he's like, this is wonderful, this has been great, God, what you've allowed us to do and accumulate, but we wanna acknowledge that it, it came from you first, that all of this belongs to you. This is the first lesson that we must learn in stewardship. We, it was the introductory message, is that we have to understand before anything else that everything that we have is actually God's first. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, as the psalmist says. That uh, stewardship, by definition, is uh, the responsibility to, to carry out the plans of someone else's desires for their resources. That what we understand in stewardship is we're not owners. We're, we're stewards. These are God's resources. This is his finances. These are his possessions. And he's allowing uh, them to be in our possession at this time, but we don't own it that we, our job is not to say, how, how can I honor myself and treat myself with these resources? Is saying, this is God's first. And so how do I responsibly handle His finances, His resources? What direction uh, and instruction has He given us to handle His finances? So this series, oh, this is not a series of, of getting money from you. And this is not a series of getting money to you. We believe in the promises of God. He is our provider, that He, he cares for His children. Uh, he sustains, I believe we can hold on to all the biblical promises and principles. But this is, this is a series, again, not to get money from or to you. This is a series to honor God with what He's entrusted to us. What does it look like to recognize what I have, no matter if it's a little or a lot, if it's what I wish I had or, or not, what I do have? How do I go to war to honor God with what he's entrusted to me. This is what this series is all about. So today we're gonna to kind of transition from um, the more inspirational, this is what stewardship is, and this is, uh, this is contentment and this is greed. We're gonna go a lot more practical today. And uh, for those of you that are new to Anchor Church, uh, we, we really are trying to create some cultural principles, values, who are we? And we, we wanna be a people that uh, we honor the word of God. One of our values is, is the Bible. We anchor ourselves to the truth of God's word. And so we wanna consistently say, well, what is the Bible teaching? What is it speaking? Uh, we want to be receive the gospel, make the gospel our focus. And then from there, like, how is the gospel supposed to impact our lives? And in scripture, there's over 2000 scriptures that speak to uh, either wisdom or warnings about how we handle our resources. It's an overwhelming amount of text is related to once we've received the gospel. This is this is how we faithfully steward what God has given us. And so we're going to get a lot more practical today. We're going to talk about making a plan, having a plan with resources. There's a lot of different places you can go in Scripture. Uh, there's there's so many parables that Jesus gives that talks about this. Uh, there's a lot of proverbs we can look up. Um, Old Testament examples, New Testament examples, I'll highlight uh, one of each real quick. Uh, just even Jesus himself. We know that Jesus wasn't uh, one to live with excess in the way, in his lifestyle. Uh, but uh, we do see that Jesus, he had, he had, a, he had a treasurer that had a money bag, that there were resources that, that Jesus had, and he, he, had, he had resources that he could dip into whenever it was necessary, whenever it was needed. In fact, Judas, uh, who was the, the one in charge of the money bag, the treasurer for the ministry of Jesus, it says uh, in scripture that he would often just kinda take a little bit for himself. He would, he would scrape off the top, he would keep some for himself, so he was deceptive with the money. Uh, but it says that the other disciples, that they didn't, they didn't notice. And this says to me, we don't know how much money was in the money bag, but if there's not much in there, it's really noticeable when a little bit is missing. But when there's a lot in there, it's a lot harder to, to, to see when, when small amounts become to be missing. So we know that there's enough in there that uh, Judas is able to take some for himself and it goes unnoticed. At the, the Last Supper, Jesus, at the conclusion of the meal, he tells Judas, go do what you prepared to do. And he was communicating the betrayal, but scripture says that the other disciples thought that Jesus was telling Judas to go pay the bill, this, this tab. Now, I don't know what the economy exactly was at that time, but eating out for th- 13 grown men, not a cheap tab, you know? Uh, they, just, they just had this great meal, this big festival, and Jesus. they thought Jesus said, hey, will you go, will you go cover the tab? meaning that there were resources available at any time for Jesus to pay for these expenses. So Jesus was learning to live off of whether, uh, we don't know how much he had and we don't know, you know exactly what poverty looked like because a lot of people attributed him to poverty, but we know he had learned to live off of less than he had and to have a stockpile of resources for the future. When we look at the Old Testament, again, the, the law, when it was given, this is the most extensive amount of teaching on what should be done with, with money. And uh, we'll, in this series, we'll talk about Old Testament, New Testament, what covenant are we under? But uh, we're just gonna take this concept of, of, again, God is teaching his people who had just experienced 400 years of slavery, that they worked hard and never owned anything, that everything was taken from them. They never had a possession of their own. They had no money. Their, their, their paycheck was taken from them. And then this this generation that's about to go into the promised land, the land where they will have resources, they will have excess. They have just spent 40 years wandering the wilderness, never even putting their stakes down as like, this is home for long-term, that they depended on God every day to provide food and provide water, that they, they know nothing of owning and providing for themselves. And so as they're about to walk into, not just a promised land, but the future where they would actually have resources, they would have money, they would have, have produce, God says, before you even enter in there, I w- I'm going to give you some instructions on the best way to handle your finances that you've never experienced, but you're about to experience. And so he lays out these instructions. So we got to understand that um, even when we look at Old Testament principles of stewardship and of finances, that God, he was He had a chance to hit the reset button on how the economy of his people would work. He says, before you ever have anything, this is what would be the ideal way for you to handle your resources. And certainly there's there's setting aside money. Uh, We we are gonna talk about tithing in this series and and where we at uh, as followers of Jesus in this day and age when it comes to tithing. But one of the first things he says, I want you to set aside a tithe, which means 10% for the temple, for the work of ministry. I want you to set this aside for the priests and for uh, the work of ministry to happen in the temple, ministry for God and ministry for the congregation, for the nation. I wanna have resources set aside for that. So let's do that first. But he goes on from that and says, I also want you to take a tithe after that. And I want you to, set it aside. And essentially what this next tithe was for is it was a savings account for future vacations, for spiritual uh, journeys where they were gonna go. And there's all these festivals that God wanted them to celebrate. He says, I want you to be ready to take weeks off so that you can travel and you can meet up with your friends and that you can feast and that you can pay the tab on those feasts and not worry about working back home. Like he is, he's setting up this savings account so that his people can go on these vacations to experience uh, these spiritual moments, heightened spiritual moments, with community in certain locations and to feast and to celebrate. It's festivals that God wanted them to celebrate. So if you're gonna be able to do that, I want you to start setting aside money all the time for that. He also talks about generosity, whether it was every three years or as industry started changing, it wasn't just, uh, there was different trades. People would start giving every three months instead of every three years, a percentage of their income. All this to say that God's principles from from the very beginning, before you ever have money, when you do get money, Calculations, some people have different uh, uh, final numbers on this, but certainly a minimum of of 23% of their income was to be pre-allocated to certain places before their cost of living expenses come into play. Meaning that God's original intent was I want you to learn how to live off of a maximum of 77% of your income. And then I've got some ideas, I've got some direction on how you should use this first 23%. So these are people who never had anything. So they're not like mad at God saying like, oh, you're only letting us keep some of this. They're saying like, okay, you want 10% that's already yours, but you're allowing us to give it back to you to continue the work of ministry. And then you're asking us to save up money so that we can take time off work. This is good news for slaves. Like God's not mean, he's actually really nice. And then you want us to make sure that there's some resources available that when we see our neighbor in a place of need or they're going through a tragedy or a medical situation, we can actually do something about it. No one is mad at God. They're like, okay, this seems like a pretty good plan. And then there's 77% left to say, okay, how do we manage the rest of what life costs with this remaining percentage? But God's plan from the beginning was always to have a plan before you have the money. This is where it should go. And within that plan, can you learn to live off of less than you're bringing in? always God's plan. This is is what we wanna talk about today. But the problem is, this isn't the cultural norm for us in today's day and age, in today's society. Um, I did a bunch of research on, you're gonna hear some stats on debt in the future, but uh, I just wanted to bring up a couple of statistics I I, I came across this week. Uh, This is a 2017 study, so I know it's six years old, but my guess is it's not trending in a very good way. Uh, So, but the the stats uh, from 2017, this was a a research done by CareerBuilder, is that 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Don't have a, a substantial amount of savings where they can they can make it without this, this paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. Uh, beyond that, it was over 50% of Americans don't have a $1,000 emergency fund set aside. In fact, it says that uh, 57% of Americans could not pay an unexpected bill of $500 without going into debt. Uh, and what's astounding about this is it's not just, well, that means there's just a lot of poverty. Those that are making six figures and above annually, the stats are barely different. Uh, it's, it's not an income problem. It's a problem of we have learned to live off of 100% or more instead of God's principles of 77% or less. This is a problem that has been cultivated in our society. Uh, some of the problem, and uh, I, I don't know your current situation. I'm not here to pick on you. Uh, I'm here to consider like what are biblical principles that we can apply. Some of the problem is, is truly not making enough money. Uh, there is there's there's low income for some people and some of that is just your stage of life some of that is just beginning a career uh some of that is is due to to tragedy that's out of your hands some people have had some some difficult circumstances that make it difficult to to get out of certain debts medical expenses um some some physically are incapable of of doing enough work to bring in enough resources. Some people have, have, have lost loved ones, have been widowed. Some people have been divorced and it's it's caused some significant financial impact. So I, I wanna recognize that that is some people's story and that's some of the problem. Some of the problem could be economic times. That's uh cost of living right now in this area. It's the highest of my lifetime. Uh, economic times certainly have a part to play in where we're at financially. Not to bypass that or say that's not an issue, but I do think it's healthy for us to consider um, globally and historically, we're still incredibly blessed. When you look at financial conditions around the globe today, and when we look at historically, uh, we, we are incredibly blessed people. Yes, this is challenging from our perspective and when, when and where we live, uh, the economics aren't at their best right now, uh, but we are a blessed people. But I do wanna say that I think some of the problem is a uh, lack of contentment. Some of the problem is greed. Some of the problem is we want more and we want to do more. So we got to work more so that we can have more so that we can do more and it's affecting our lives and our families and our outlook on life uh, so much. I'd also say that some of the problem is that we don't know any better. We were never set a better example of how to handle our resources. This is kind of how it was when we were growing up. This is all that we know. We don't know how to make a plan. Even if we did get some principle, how to make a plan, how do I get from paycheck to paycheck to that spot where there is excess? Some of us just don't know what to do. What do I do with this? I'd like it to be better, but I don't know. I've never been taught. I don't have these principles. And even if I did, how do I make the transition? Uh, So we're gonna talk about this today. And I know this is very practical, but we're gonna talk about God's idea of having a plan planning ahead of time and letting this build over, over the course of time. Now, planning ahead and stewardship, all this, it boils down really to one word that we use in today's day and age, and the word is budget. You're a church and we're talking about a budget. It just, we just, it's, it's stewardship, we can't get away from this. Now I say the word budget and some of you guys just love that, like all oh, the organization, all the charts and graphs and like it just, it brings some peace to you to just like, I have control, I know. If you love budget, maybe you've got a control issue. I don't know, maybe, maybe they go together, maybe they don't. Some of you, the word budget comes up and it's like we just dropped a very uncomfortable word for you, like this is, this is not my comfort zone. I don't wanna talk about this. My blood pressure goes up. I don't know where you're at when it comes to budget. Um, But as we're considering and studying through all of God's principles and scriptural principles of having a plan, even with the Israelites, you don't have a penny to your name yet, but I'm already creating a plan and causing you to learn this plan and get these disciplines early on in in, in your life and as you you begin to accumulate. Um, I wanted to be very careful with this statement I'm about to say, because I didn't want to say it flippantly. Uh, I wanted to mean it, and I'm going to say it because I mean it. Stewardship is not possible without a plan. I, I, I've been chewing on that phrase all week, like, is, is it true? Are they, and I've got like these, well, maybe if it's this, maybe it's this, but I think regardless of how much money you have and how generous you are, stewardship is knowing what God would like you to do with his resources. And that requires learning it and and, and writing it down and having some direction. I I really believe regardless of income, stewardship's not possible if we're not putting forth the effort to have a plan with the resources that God has given us. And what this plan is called in today's day and age is a budget. I wanna look at a couple of Proverbs here. Proverbs chapter six, uh, starting in verse six says this, uh, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. He's just coming in hot here. Look at the ants, you lazy bones. Learn their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Now, how humbling is it that God has to tell us, hey, America, wake up. You want some wisdom? Don't look to these like financial gurus. Look at the ants. The ants are doing better than you. The ants are not paycheck to paycheck. The ants are not stressing out about winter. The ants have it figured out. If you're stressing out and you don't have some resources for the future, I'm sorry, the Bible says, look at the ants. Look at the ants, they've got this figured out. No one is making them work hard and store up and save, and no one is telling them this is the cap of how much you should eat today, yet they understand that if I eat everything today, I'm gonna have problems in the future. The ants understand that I'm gonna work hard, and I'm gonna accumulate, and I'm not gonna eat it all. I'm not gonna live off 100% of today's paycheck. I'm gonna take what I need. I'm gonna survive. I'm gonna live, but I'm also gonna store away because there is a day where it's not gonna be as accessible. I'm not gonna have as much. Maybe there's gonna be a future illness. Maybe there's gonna be—I don't know what's gonna happen. Winter is coming. I don't know when it shows up, but when it shows up, I'm not gonna be stressed. I'm not gonna fight with my spouse because we don't have enough. I'm not gonna be worried about—are we gonna make it through this? Am I gonna pay that? excess? the ants haven't. Figured out. And what it takes is working hard, living off of less than you make, and preparing for whatever future might come. This is this is principles that God has. Proverbs 21:5 says this: good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but shortcuts lead to poverty. What takes lasting change is Biblical principles of stewardship that we work hard on for a long time. These, these quick fixes, they don't really change what needs to be changed. Like, there are times where you just need to sell the thing to get the cash. There's times that you need to, to put in extra hours, get some overtime, do the side hustle. Uh, maybe there's ways that there's certain handouts and in, in places that can be a blessing to you. I'm not saying these are bad and you shouldn't take advantage of them, but they're temporary fixes to the problem of not learning to live off of less than we're bringing in. That, that's actually what ch- the, the lasting change is. A good plan plus hard work equals prosperity. Now, whatever prosperity looks like, again, this is not about getting more money, but prosperity, health in our relationships, health in the way that we find contentment. And, and we all know people who have a lot are the unhappiest people in the world. So I'm not talking about how do you get more money. But the way that we get to whatever we want to define prosperity as it's like a math equation there's two other principles that when they're put together lead to prosperity it's a good plan not just a plan it's got to be a good plan not not some uh, nonsense plan a good plan and then it says in hard work not just like a little bit of work hard work people that work hard and have a good plan perpetually over time has some really good results. Now, we're gonna talk about the concept of work as a part of our stewardship later in this eight-week series. We're not gonna focus on that right now. The way that I wanna consider working hard is in relationship to the good plan. We're gonna call a good plan a budget. So that's what it is. So when you have a good plan, well, you've got a budget, you've got some wisdom, you've got some, some direction on this, and it's a good plan. You've worked on it, you've made some adjustments, you have a good plan, and then you work hard at it for a season of time, good results follow. You can't have a good plan and not stick with it and work hard on it and follow the directions and the boundaries that are set. It's gotta be both. It's gotta be a good plan and it's gotta be hard work. Hard work without a good plan, we're just paycheck to paycheck again. It's gotta be a good plan plus hard work. So we make a plan and we work a plan. When you are making a plan, there's a lot of questions to ask Uh, like some basics, what is my income? What can I expect on a monthly basis? What are my expenses? I think we gotta ask a lot of other questions like what are our debts? What are the payments on those debts? What are the interest rates? Which ones should be paid off first? We start leaning into a lot more of these questions. Uh, Maybe even considering like what are some future expenses that we could prepare for so that when that expense shows up, we're not freaked out. Uh, If you own a car, if you've ever been surprised that a car needs an oil change and you need money for that oil change, we should maybe be planning ahead. Who knew that cars, tires wear out? And then when you go get that oil change, they say you need tires, this is unsafe for your family to be riding around in Montana in these tires. Oh, how am I gonna pay for this? These are stressful things. I remember early in our marriage, every summer, we got this postcard in the mail that said, it is time to renew the registration of your vehicle. And it's like 300 bucks. And I was like, who knew they were gonna do this every single year? <laughs> And it was stressful. Okay, what are we not going to do? When are we not going to eat? What are we not? Like, it's stressful. What do we do? But what the freedom that you get when it's like, oh, an expense is coming next July. Let's start saving ahead for it. The postcard comes in the mail. I still don't like it, but it's like, yeah, write the check. And it's like, okay, we just keep living life because there's a preparation ahead. Parents, who knew that our kids were going to grow out of their genes and need a new pair for next school year? Who knew that their snow boots that worked last season aren't gonna work next season? And now, what are we gonna do? Send our kids to school in flip-flops? No, we, we, we gotta figure it out. But when we know expenses are coming and we start preparing and planning ahead, it relieves so much of that pressure, so much of that tension. Um, it's wild how much uh, stress affects our lives. And financially, If we, if we uh, looking at some of these studies I referred to earlier, it just goes on of like, when we're living paycheck to paycheck and there's not this reserve so that when these unexpected expenses come up, all the problems that it creates, and this isn't even a spiritual research. This is talking about um, not just the anxiety, uh, but the depression that can come from it. It talks about weight gain and then heart conditions that can come from that. Weight loss, uh, lack of being able to focus and pay attention and how that impacts your work and your ability to, to move up or to gain more. It talks about uh, insomnia as a result of, of financial, financial stress, relational trauma that begins to happen and distances in, in your close relationships because you gotta work more or you're arguing about stuff. Like th- this is a, a big problem that living paycheck to paycheck is not just a math equation of how are we gonna make this work this month. No, it affects us on a deep level, a spiritual level, uh, on a relational level, it's a big deal. And when I consider, uh, is there any way, like wouldn't it be awesome if we could either diminish or eliminate all of these, these physical issues and relational issues in our life I think we'd all sign up for. I'd like to tell you the answer to it is biblical stewardship. Like God said, no, no, when I set this up to train you to live on less than you make, I wasn't being mean. Like, look at this whole list of stuff that I don't want my people to deal with. I don't want you to have those relational problems. I don't want you to have those health issues. I don't want you to be fighting those anxieties. I don't want you to, to I, I don't want that for my people. So how does he t- teach us to do that? Well, you make a plan, you work hard on it, you, you stick with it, and those things that used to bring you down or that other people are experiencing is, is messing up their physical and relational and spiritual health, we're just going to eliminate those from the stresses of our life. There's a lot of other questions to consider. Like if I had the resources, what would I do? What would I want to do? I think, uh, you know, whether it's the vacation or it's the, the, the you want to do the remodel on the house or the hobby that you have, you want to get that bike. Uh, like how do we, how do we prepare for those expenses and those, even those desires? Uh, I would tell you, I believe that a budget, not only is it's uh, freedom, I think a lot of people look at it as bondage, but it's freedom when you stick with it for a time. But a budget is, it's, it's telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. If you're tired of wondering at the end of the month, where did all that go? Well, a budget says, uh, before I get this, I'm gonna tell it where to go, and I'm not gonna be worried and frustrated and anxious because I know where it's going, and I've made a plan, I've made a decision. Uh, I would also say that um, a budget, a plan, uh, it minimizes the frustration that we experience when there is distance between our priorities and our reality I'll tell you when we have priorities, this is what I would like to see happen again this isn't about having tons of excess and but like this is, this is, these are the things that are valuable to me that cost resources that cost money this is these are my priorities, but the reality i 'm experiencing is is a distance away from it that distance that space is frustration it's anxiety it's worry it's fighting and when we can start saying I, I I don't know if I can swing all the way over there right away. This isn't a quick fix, but when I can start saying, okay, some resources are going to things that are not my priorities. I just didn't have a plan. I didn't have discipline. And we start making a plan and say, these are priorities. This This is who I feel God's called me to be. This is what I think is healthiest for us. These are the desires that are on my heart. And we start making adjustments in our plans. We, at a minimum, begin shrinking the distance, which is minimizing the frustration. It's a beautiful gift to have a plan in the way that it impacts our lives. How do we prepare? How do we plan? Uh, Make a plan, work your plan. No matter how much money you make, questions like this and considerations in a plan are necessary. I'm gonna ask Bo Johnson uh, if he'll join me. You guys have heard me talking about Bo for uh, the last couple of weeks. He and his wife Rhonda are uh, gonna teach us a class. I grabbed uh, the middle mic here, Dave. We've been talking about this, this uh, introductory financial class that's coming up that Bo and Rhonda are gonna be teaching. Um, Proverb that came to mind for this, Proverbs 15, 22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Uh, Let's just be honest, there's a lot of areas in life that we're not the experts of. Uh, And so we can either try to just uh, say that we've got it figured out, we're gonna do this on our own and not do a very good job, or we can be humble enough to say, hey, that's an area I could use some advice on. Uh, Who has God put around me? that's good at this. And uh, I, this is what I love about the body of Christ is he's fitting us together perfectly. And uh, we're not all supposed to be experts at everything, uh, but we can rely on the body of Christ. And uh, Bo and Rhonda have a lot of experience in regards to uh, not just having a good budget, but in helping stewardship uh, stewardship principles uh, with a community of people. They've got a lot of experience in this. Um, And uh, super grateful that you and Rhonda not only are part of Anchor, but are offering your experience and your skill set. So Bo, I know you, I know some of your story. I know why we trust you to lead this class. Some of these people don't know you and I don't think they're asking it this way, but um, uh, why should they listen to you? You know, like what's Bo gonna offer? Like who's this guy, who's the expert here? So why have we asked Bo to do this? Uh, So I know you don't wanna this to be a bragging moment but would you give us a quick introduction of who you are some of your background with sure. the skill set that you bring into this moment
1: sure thanks for that yeah. um, so
0: <laughs> i uh, asked him to brag on himself <laughs> he didn't ask to do it himself
1: so um i am a cpa certified public accountant so i deal with finances all the time um i also have a master's of accountancy and a master's in finance um, Rhonda and I have facilitated a lot of Financial Peace University classes over the year. That's a more in-depth class. Um, it's a nine-week study going through the holistic portion of a finance. Um, so from that class, you know, we talk about paying off debt. We talk about getting budgets. Um, we talk about how to save up for college for your kids if you want to do that, and then ultimately how to be really generous. Um, we also have facilitated the legacy journey, which is like that next level. Um, class, how to be really generous, and then also if you're interested, how to build up wealth so that you can be generous, but to also leave an inheritance to your kids. It's amazing. Um.
0: Obviously, when you go through these classes, you see some financial improvements in people's lives, but beyond the finances, as we talked about all the other stresses that could come into play, um, what are some areas or maybe some of the biggest areas you've seen uh, life improvement or life impact beyond financial organization?
1: Yeah. Well, the the stewardship series is so important because these financial principles in work and in these classes that we've taught, when we've seen them work, people become more content. They become more generous. Um, We see peace come in their lives. One of the biggest, the neatest things that we've seen is people who are struggling in their marriages, they're able to start talking together, get in the same uh, mindset for their finances and marriages become healed through that. Um, The other thing is, uh, I mean, it's hard. People are in some financial dire straits. So this hope, a lot of people don't have hope with their finances. And so if they can get on a budget, start seeing the progress, they become hopeful um, for the future. So that's, that's been pretty neat.
0: That's amazing. Um, someone's considered maybe I should, shouldn't go to this. What, what can they practically expect? What topics are we hitting on? Like this is a one hour in a couple of weeks. Yeah. This is the abbreviated version. It's short. Uh, what are we hitting on?
1: It's really short, um, but budgets. That's really what we're gonna mostly be looking at. Um, and the reason is it's the financial cornerstone of your your uh, financial plan. I mean, you have to have a budget. Um, That's the benchmark. If you don't know where your money is going, you're not going to have any idea if you're meeting your goals or or be able to even obtain those goals. Um, That being said, we will look briefly at debt, like trying how to pay off debt, what that looks like. We're going to look at generosity, contentment, and then we're also going to be looking at a roadmap for your long-term financial health. So wherever you are at, we're going to then have some goals and some different things that you can be looking at to obtain.
0: Yeah. Uh, So for clarity, on the 12th, there's going to be one hour teaching where you can kind of bring your own numbers, figure this out. And then the following week, the 19th, isn't gonna be more instruction everybody, but there's gonna be another time right after church uh, to personalize and what are some next steps. And now that we've had some chance to have a week of putting some numbers together. Um, so it's just one hour of teaching and then open for question and answer. And then the next week is just meeting with anybody that would like to, uh, to follow that through. Uh, Bo, this is evident in your life as we've gotten to know you and Rhonda, um, the value that you place on this, it's, it's meaningful. It's not just like a smart concept, like it, it, it means a lot to you guys. It's, it's a spiritual gift it's to the church and to you guys. Would you just maybe take a second to say, um, not just the principles, but why you, this is valuable to you, the way that you've seen this um, in your own life?
1: Sure, um, well, when Ron and I got married, we were the typical couple, you know, we had student debt, we had car payments, we had medical debt, all that type of stuff. In our first five years, we we had a budget, but it was pretty loose. I mean, we didn't really track anything. Um, And so at that point, we decided that, you know, we sat down and said, we're gonna build some goals, we're gonna really look at some stuff, and we're gonna become intentional with our budget. Um, And by being able to do that, we were able to pay off our debt in 18 months. Um, but more importantly, what that allowed us to do was reach our financial goals, which was we w- really, really wanted to plan to have a family through adoption, which has a huge cost to it. So we were able to save up for that. And then the other big part was we wanted Rhonda to be able to stay home once we had kids. And so by getting on a budget, following it through every month, we were able to reach that.
0: Amazing, Yeah. amazing. Thank you, Bob. Yep. We say this, this is a, we're not trying to give an advertisement for a class. We want to have this class as a tool for how do we actually take some practical steps on biblical stewardship. Um, On that QR code, uh, you can sign up for that class. Uh, It's free. We talk about this week, maybe providing some free food for you too, uh, if that's incentive for you. Uh, But we would love to have you to to show up. Like what, what do we actually do? What does this look like in my life? Um, so we're not promoting a class, and again, this isn't getting money from you, this isn't getting money to you, this is going to war on how do we steward well and how do we get practical about it. So uh, that's available to you, you can sign up on that QR code. We'd love to have you sign up just so we know how much to prepare, uh, how what the room looks like. We've already had 25 people register, uh, you're not alone. I also wanna tell you, like. You don't have to be ashamed of where you're at financially. No one's gonna be like looking at your numbers and comparing them to the people next to you. No one has to see your numbers. Uh, if you'd like Bowen Ronda to they'll look at it and be so kind and generous to you. Um, but we're not putting you in an awkward spot of uh, displaying where you're at financially, uh, but how do you take these principles and what do they look like with you? So we really encourage you to bring real numbers. Um, I wanna say this, budgeting is not reserved for just like the super disciplined people. It's not just for those who are like, have a drive to be financially successful. Um, I, believe that, I believe that having a budget, it's, it's not just a smart thing, it's biblical. Uh, it's spiritual. It's God's best plan for his, his followers. So how do, we, how do we apply this into our lives? And there's certainly room for personality and priorities. Some are gonna be more loose, some are gonna be more rigid, but I really struggle with the concept of following Jesus and not growing in fiscal responsibility and stewardship because it's his money. It's His resources. He's allowing us to hold them for a season. So we're not gonna be lazy. We're not gonna be irresponsible with His resources. We're gonna steward it well. We make a plan and we work a plan. Um, I'm gonna ask the band to join me. As we wrap this up, I wanna look at one last proverb. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Wealth from quick rich get-rich-quick schemes, uh, it's just not the answer. Like God's plan, was hard work, biblical principles for a long time. That's more money just dropped on you might not fix the problem. What we're signing up for is not just the miracle of just the financial blessing at this time in life. And I have no problem praying for that. God has done amazing things in moments of finances for people. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking God to be the provider for the immediate need. But that doesn't fix a heart that hasn't learned contentment heart that hasn't dealt with greed, doesn't fix this lack of discipline and planning with God's resources. It's consistency, it's diligence, it's faithfulness to stewardship over a long period of time. Meaning it's okay to start small. A little adjustment's better than no adjustment. It's leaning into these principles. God, what does it mean to steward well what I have today? it's stop stressing about your location and be more diligent about your direction. What direction are my stewardship heading? Is it a way that's honoring God more? Is it a way where there's more contentment and less greed? What direction am I going? Last scripture, Luke 12, 21, Jesus is talking and he says this, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And I wanna make sure that we land here, especially on such a practical day like today. This is not a series about just, let's just get smarter with our money. This is all based on a relationship with a God who knows you, who loves you, who has given his very best for us. And then beyond that, also gives us some guidance on the greatest way to, to live this temporary life and to make the greatest impact while we're here and after we leave. But all of this, these principles and just being smarter with our money, it, it means nothing. If we don't know Christ, the goal is not less greed and more contentment. The the goal is that I know Him, and I become like Him, and that I live in a way that honors Him. I wanna tell you this, before God ever gave you His money, He gave you His Son. Like this this is the gift that should just overwhelm us and consume us. Not how do I get more of God's money, but he, He gave me His Son. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave his son, not his money, not his resources, not his finances. What what motivated him to give to us when he saw a love for us was he gave us Jesus. And to know the debt that my sin owes, that I could never pay back, that Jesus is the redemption price, that I'm forgiven, that I'm saved, that I've got this temporary life here, but I've got an eternity where there will be no need, no lack, no pain, that that is my eternity that when I begin to recognize and I I recall and I rehearse the gospel, everything else is icing on the cake. This is probably not the holiest way to say this, but we have already won the lottery. Like like what else could we want? If I never have a penny to my name on this earth, I have an eternity waiting for me. My, My blessed hope is the presence of God where there will be no need for eternity. If that means there is lack for this lifetime, it, it, like why, why does that even matter? It's icing on the cake. We go back to the gospel that He loved and He gave, and we receive first and foremost the forgiveness, the mercy and the grace that I could never save myself, but Jesus has paid the price but then we do have a span of time on this earth where the icing on the cake is he does give us some of his possessions to manage well, to make a difference in other people's lives, to build up the church, to change the next generation. We get to be a part of that when we manage the resources the way that he has asked us to steward them. I'm gonna ask you if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? Two responses today. First response is, we look first to Jesus. I don't wanna leave here today just like, oh yeah, I gotta go be better with my money. I wanna leave here today being so overwhelmed with a God who loves me and every facet of my life just wants to worship Him, wants to love Him, wants to respond, wants to honor what He's asking of me. Not because He's this dictator demanding this out of my life, no, because I'm so loved I'm so valued, he has a reason for my existence. I just wanna learn how to honor that well. Our first response is to look back at the gospel. Our second response today is to look at our resources. I I don't know, if you don't have a budget, I think maybe the easiest response is to sign up and, and, and lean into Bo and Rhonda's wisdom and how to set up a budget. If you do have a budget, I think that doesn't mean there's no response for you today. I think it's going today or this week whether you're single or you're married, you'd put your finances in front of you and you pray over them and you pray, God is there a way that I could steward well? Could I honor you differently than, than it is right now just because we've got principles and it's worked over season and time maybe it's time to revisit God what does it mean to steward this? How, how would you how, how could how would you direct me? How could I honor what you have for me in this budget in these resources the, the, the challenge this week is to look at it to pray over it. For those of you today that maybe you're, you're not a believer in Jesus, man, I just, I hope, I know we're spending these eight weeks on stewardship, but to, I hope my prayer is that this isn't just church talking about money. This is talking about a God who knows you, who loves you and has principles for your, the, the, the abundance on this earth. But our hope is not in the abundance of this earth. Our hope is in eternity. And the greatest gift, the greatest wealth, the greatest resource you could ever be given is the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. And anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, the gift of Jesus, gets the greatest gift ever. It's the first gift, This is the most important gift we wanna invite you into. And then we're just a community of people learning how to steward everything well, not just our resources, every day of our lives, how do we honor and how do we obey and how do we, we bring worship to the one who gave us what we could never deserve. We'd love to invite you to this journey of not just saying yes to Jesus, but then on this short life that we have, how do we honor and worship him? Father, we love you. We come before you right now. And our first response is to look at the gospel. We say thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your kindness. Thank you that you paid the price that we could never pay. Before you gave us any resources, and if you never gave us any resources, you gave us your son. You gave us eternal hope. And that is what we stand on. Certainly there's aspects of this life that would make this temporary season more enjoyable or less trials or less stress but God we 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 know the eternity. We are anchored in Jesus the hope for our souls not just in this life but for eternity. God we thank you that you are a provider and there are some today that need your miracle hand of provision today and we don't bypass that we do ask for the provision that is necessary. But God, the miracle that we ask for is not temporary band-aids to financial solutions. We ask for the miracle of a community of people that go to war against greed, that that fight for contentment, that we will be a people that, that something shifts inside of us, that we view every resource as yours first and the privilege to honor you with what you've entrusted to us. God, we ask for that miracle to be done in our lives, in our hearts, that Anchor would be marked as a community of people they are just honoring you with whatever you entrust to us, our finances, our possessions, our time, our relationships. We, we just wanna honor you with all of it because you're such a good God who has given everything that we have to us. It was yours first. We love you.